Hey, everybody, and welcome back to the UNT College of Music in Context podcast, the show where we're always taking suggestions for clever intro bits because I'm running out of ideas. As always, <laughs> my name is Hayden. Hi. And also, as always, I'm, of course, joined by Miss Hannah Brayfield. Hi. And this week, we are absolutely thrilled to have on the legend herself, Miss Donna Emanuel. Hi, Dr. Emanuel. Hi, Hayden. Hi, Hannah. How are you? Hi, we are. we're good. Yeah, good. <laughs> Sleepy. Yeah. <laughs> As usual, it's so hot. Hot makes me tired. <laughs> How oh, are God. you? I'm great. That's great. I'm just chilling. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I made some. I've I've ever since quarantine started, I've been like cooking or whatever, and I just made myself lunch. I made a, a dish called. I, I I like created it. Okay, it's called Squidward Tortellini, and. <laughs> <laughs> it's 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 yeah anyway uh but it yeah it's good it's very professional sounding okay it, it, it sounds dumb i don't i don't want to know i don't want to know <laughs> it's it's just white wine lemon butter sauce and tortellini it's, it's really not special oh and capers ah capers because i like capers Ooh. but anyway um so <laughs> tort- squidward tortellinis aside uh we usually start these kinds of things off by discussing like ooh, your origin story how did you like get into music where how did you get to where you are so let's i guess start there at the at the beginning how did you know you wanted to go into music as like ooh my career well my mom was a piano teacher first of all oh. so that meant i was around music all the time she was a choir director she was a, a pianist and organist in her churches so she was my first teacher in piano um and people who have studied piano with their moms know that that's not always a great, fun thing. <laughs> yes. My dad is a pianist. And oh. yeah. I love him to death. And piano lessons with my dad were hard. <laughs> yes. Yeah. So um, so she started me off early on piano. And I went through a bunch of teachers and um, wound up in piano performance in my undergrad oh. because that's what I did, right? I played piano. Uh, so I was a piano performance major and voice minor, and that lasted for two years. And I went, what the heck am I going to do with this? <laughs> because, you know, I really wasn't competitive and I really didn't have chops good enough to go into the performance world. So I, I sat out a couple of years and then went back to finish my undergrad up. But it wasn't a, a music degree. It was a humanities interdisciplinary degree, which I really wouldn't change for the world. I really loved it. So at this university in my hometown, the University of West Florida, they let you create your own degree. So you could choose three areas of humanities. So I chose music humanities, English, communication arts, and I minored in psychology. That is so cool. Yeah, I know, right? (laughs) So it was just the perfect degree. And uh, I didn't start off uh, teaching music. I started off working in a mom and pop music store in Pensacola, Florida. It had started in 1910. They were Steinway dealers and Yamaha dealers and Hammond. And, you know, they sold all kinds of stuff. And I started off as a sheet music clerk there. And I waited on the piano teachers who came in to buy materials oh. for their students. And you knew all the rep and everything. You were ready to right? go. <laughs> yeah. So um, while I was there, I was introduced to the Yamaha music education system. And I was really impressed with it. And so I started a Yamaha music school there and had like 250 students. It was group instruction. Oh. It was... Um, by ear first and solfege only it was fixed dough so you know (laughs) right but uh interesting that a lot of the world uses fixed dough we don't happen to do that but um you know i got into improvising and composing and my students did that and one of my adult students happened to be a principal of an elementary school that had the opportunity to become a magnet school and they chose performing arts as their magnet. And she asked me to be their music teacher. So I got into public education kind of through the back door. I was not certified. I did not have an ed degree, um, but they hired us. They hired a dance teacher and a drama teacher and me. 
And that was my first foray into public education. I wound up getting certified. I moved to Gainesville, Florida, uh, taught in a couple of schools there, and then had a chance to teach as an adjunct at the University of Florida. Wow. And Right? It just <laughs> turned out. Yeah, things just happen in my life. So um, I loved it. You know, I loved teaching at the university level, never thought I would. And then uh, I moved to Michigan. I did my master's in music education at the University of Michigan. And I did, uh, in, in graduate degrees, they have cognates or related fields instead of minors. Yeah. So my related fields were educational psychology and ethnomusicology. And that's where I started getting interested in mariachi. I performed in a mariachi there. And then I did my PhD at Michigan State University, go green. And uh, I finished up my cognates there and had an incredible experience. And it turns out that Dr. Warren Henry, who are, is our Associate Dean of Academic Affairs in the College of Music and also a music educator, he graduated from Michigan State as well. So when I started looking for jobs and I had the offer from UNT, everybody at Michigan State said, you have to go there, Dr. Henry is there. Not only is it a great music program, but you have a fellow Spartan there. And I went, okay. Aww. And so that's how I wound up at UNT, fresh out of my doctoral program. So wow. that's the short vision. <laughs> wow. Wow. That's, That's amazing. Yeah. <laughs> you rolled a lot of really high rolls there. <laughs> Things just happen. It was just meant to be, you know? Yeah. It seems like you've done an outstanding job. Like, just based off of people kept probably just coming into your classroom and going, wow, that's awesome. We want that. And <laughs> come be at our school next. <laughs> yeah. And from it's what I've heard, your well. students really admire your work. I, I was never in one of your mm -hmm. classes. I was never in one of Dr. Emanuel's classes, but I hear about them. I don't always hear about classes. <laughs> so I love to very teach. positive reviews. <laughs> yeah, I love to teach. Hayden, can you can you tell that I love to teach? <laughs> yeah, it was honestly it was it was amazing. I'm really bummed, honestly, that we didn't because I I took it I during know. the the COVID semester is what I'm going to call it, and yeah. I didn't get to finish it, but. Man, the, the time that we did have together was like, man, it was unlike anything else. And I, I really appreciated having that opportunity. Um, yeah, I, I honestly, I think you having a psychology degree and a humanities degree, like you can you can tell, I think, because I, I think that's really important. Um, yeah, because I'm not exact. I couldn't tell you exactly why, but it's like, hmm. I see it. You know, it's one of those things. <laughs> it helps to know how people think, yeah. you know, and how the mind works and what works best in a learning environment. And yeah, so I, I wouldn't change anything at all about my background. I really, really had incredible people as teachers. And what was very cool in my graduate degrees was uh, at the University of Michigan, if you got a, a fellowship or an assistantship there, which I did, not only was your tuition waived, but you could take as many classes as you wanted. So I always took, <laughs> in my graduate degrees, I just took as many classes as I could, right? Uh, yeah. <laughs> and so I wound up taking a lot in their education college and worked with just incredible people over there. I so, to do that. That's so cool. yeah. <laughs> Get your grades. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. So I just had, you know, I just really feel that I've been led to wind up where I wound up at UNT and in music education. That's just where I'm supposed to be. You've mm -hmm. certainly had a big impact. I yeah. know so many people that would just go on and on about how your class changed them as a person and as a teacher. And I suspect it's partially due to your interest in your students as human beings and not just mm -hmm. like vessels for information so. <laughs> absolutely in fact there's a guy um i forget his name right now but he wrote a book called teaching naked and his premise is that teachers are no longer the keepers of knowledge 
Like you can find just about any information you want on Google, right? On the internet. You can always find information. You can find lesson plans, how to write them. You can go onto YouTube and find out what a clarinet embouchure looks like. So our roles as teachers have actually shifted. No longer are we just to impart knowledge, right? Because we don't need to do that anymore. So I look at my role as a teacher um, as how can I encourage people to think for themselves? You know, how can I help people to become more self-aware of who they are and who they want to be? And yeah, how can they make their own decisions based on what they want and what's important to them? So I embed that into all my classes. I think that's especially interesting to think about in the context of the like COVID semester and suddenly yeah. all your classes are online and you can't be in the room with them to show them, look. Oh, and it's so hard. <laughs> My embouchure. <laughs> yeah, that was so hard because the class that Hayden was in was an elementary methods class. Mm -hmm. And the last month we were supposed to be in the child development lab on campus teaching four and five-year-olds. Yep. So there's no way you could put that experience <laughs> online. So we kind of, you know, pulled back and punted and played it by ear and, you know, yeah, I think it turned out okay. Yeah, I thought it turned out really. We talked about like pedagogical techniques and and Kodai and and all that kind of stuff, and I I learned I learned a lot, <laughs> you know. Yeah. Um, but, I mean, yeah, it's COVID, you know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was tough. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but anyway, yeah, we've been reading a lot of your um your research and, and doing a lot of, mm -hmm. I guess, our own research on your research. So, um, meta research. Yeah. <laughs> research, research. And, uh, <laughs> re research. A anyway, um, yeah. <laughs> generally, um, something that you've, uh, done a lot of focus on and, and research on is about cultural inclusion in, in music programs. And that's something mm -hmm. that we personally hold really like close to us. So can you tell us a little bit about, about that? and how your, your like hot take on it. <laughs> well, I always wound up teaching in uh, diverse schools, predominantly in urban and inner city areas. I worked for a while in downtown Detroit. So, uh, you know, those, that inner city culture is very, very different from what my own background was. I came from, you know, the mountains of Southwest Virginia. I was a, a hillbilly to begin with, you know, so um, I discovered the terms intercultural competence when I was working on my grad degrees. And basically the premise is that before you can come to understand someone who's different from you in any way, you have to understand yourself and why you believe what you believe and where those beliefs have come from. Otherwise, it's just kind of like uh, you know, like elementary schools will have, or, or secondary schools will have multicultural day where people wear costumes and they have foods and they listen to music, but it doesn't really help you understand what's really important to those cultures, their beliefs, their attitudes, their, their values. So um, I don't even like to use the word multicultural because it's just kind of like a trip to the zoo. You walk by and look in and go, oh, that's, that's nice. And then you go home, right? That's such a good way to put it. Yeah. <laughs> right? So I want people to, um, you know, kind of take a deep dive into their, their selves so that they can, they can begin to understand why they believe what they believe and that everything that we believe and that we value comes from our past experiences. And so then hopefully they can see someone who's different from them in whatever way and go, oh, well, I can, I can see why you believe that because your life experiences have been completely different from mine. So that to me is really the only way that we can make cultural connections. And I think in the music world, in the music ed world particularly, it's incredibly important because as music educators, we're encouraged to use world music or multicultural music. And often we have no clue what the value of that music might be in its home culture. So 
you know, we learn how to pronounce words phonetically if we're a choral group or, you know, we use whatever drumming instruments we have, which wouldn't be appropriate in the home culture. So, yeah, a lot of my work uh, has been focused on intercultural competence and the study abroad courses that we've offered in the past. That's been my focus there to prep them to go to another country, you know, that's really different from the country that we live in. Absolutely. And then to take that into their own work, into their own classroom, whether it's elementary or choir band or orchestra or whatever. Yeah. Just being able to build, you know, empathy and an understanding that another person's culture and another, you know, another culture's music is just as deep as, you know, and just as important culturally as, you know, studying Bach or studying Correct. music of, you know, Western European d descent, I guess. <laughs> right, exactly. Art music, yeah. And, and I think that now, particularly, that we have this momentum built in um, people recognizing cultural diversity in this country and those issues being faced and social justice issues, I think it's even more important now that we as music teachers incorporate issues of social justice into our classrooms and, and ensembles as well. And intercultural competence is the foundation on what, which that can be built. You know, hearing you say that, I've actually cited your research before in a paper I wrote. Oh, <laughs> um, I'm flattered. She, so audience, uh, Donna Manuel performed a study and wrote an article that got published in a music ed journal. I forget which one. Uh, multiple, actually. But this particular one is about uh, the using cultural immersion for pre-service music teachers. So, like, instead of going yeah. in student teaching in, like, your town, you would go in student teach in, like, so you're not from Chicago, you're going to Chicago. You're going to go study in the inner city where you're not from and you're not used to yeah. the you know, this people that you're going to meet there. Yeah. Uh, and the culture and the values of the band programs there, if you're a band person. But uh, <laughs> so yeah. it was a really interesting study. And hearing your thoughts on here's what I think is important. We need to be able to allow people to understand each other fundamentally, even if you're from very different backgrounds. Suddenly that research makes a lot mm -hmm. more sense because at the time you're thinking, man, that's such a cool idea. It's kind of expensive, but I wish there was a way to make it work better. That makes sense. And especially yeah. if you could figure out a way to do it on a large scale. So Yeah. <laughs> yeah, there's not many um, universities, you know, music ed programs that allow their students uh, the opportunity to go into different schools. In the Metroplex, however, we have real opportunities because we have such a diverse uh, number of, of school programs and diverse student populations. So somebody could be in Flower Mound or Grapevine or somebody could be in downtown Fort Worth or in Oak Cliff, you know, and it's still doable from a distance perspective. So it's one of the things I think that I really value about music ed at UNT is that we happen to be in this community that's incredibly diverse and it allows us to place our student teachers in really different kinds of programs, you know, different from what they come from. So, yeah, our student teachers have that opportunity where in a lot of places they don't. Yeah, go Mean Green. Yeah. <laughs> they both um, said caw at the same time. <laughs> <laughs> um, of course. So <laughs> I... I've been kind of um, on a on a kick for mariachi music. Okay? Oh, really? And, yeah, and I understand that you also have a um, have a um, affinity for mariachi music, and have started. I think it's called Mariachi Aguilas at UNT. Aguilas. Aguilas. Mm -hmm. Aguilas. Okay. Mm -hmm. Please tell us about that because I I think that's so <laughs> cool. I'm so into it. Uh, okay, so Mari, I. What I tell people is that I think I was a Latina in a previous life <laughs> because I just love mariachi. Like I said, at the University of Michigan, I got to perform in a, a mariachi there and fell in love with it. And over the span of about four years, I had opportunities to visit Mexico multiple times. 
And I got to see mariachis in Veracruz and in Oaxaca and in Guanajuato and in Monterrey and all over and just really fell in love with the music. So when I got hired at UNT, I thought, well, it's Texas. They'll have a mariachi there, but they didn't. So it was one of the first things that I took upon myself. Uh, it wasn't part of my job. Uh, I didn't get paid to do it, but uh, I started a mariachi program. And Aguilas translates to eagles. Oh. So that's why we chose that name, Mariachi Aguilas. And we started off, it was really funny. Uh, we couldn't just make it an M-U-E-N, a regular ensemble, right? We had to kind of prove ourselves. A lot of people hold stereotypical beliefs about mariachi. Like, oh God, they're always late. Their instruments are out of tune. They're not really good musicians. You know, they don't have experiences of hearing really good mariachis. They'll hear some okay mariachis in a restaurant or something, but you know. Mm -hmm. So we offered it as a student organization at first. Ah. And yeah. that's that's how we got it started. They said, oh, well, offer it as a student organization. We'll see how it does. And- uh, Is it a after, class now? Uh, it is a class now. It's oh, a regular ensemble yeah. for credit, but it took a while to get to that point because we had to prove ourselves, you know? Yeah. So after we played and got a little bit of recognition and they understood, the university administration understood that, oh, this is like sophisticated, complex music and it can be played well. Then we got to offer it as an experimental course for credit. We did that for a couple of years. And finally, we were allowed to offer it as an MUEN. So uh, Dr. Kathy Raglan has taken that over since I'm, I have now officially retired from UNT. But um, yeah, that ensemble is what actually kept me sane. Uh, <laughs> we, we traveled to the Crested Butte Music Festival in the summers three times in a row. Uh, part of my group went up to New York to play for a wedding. Uh, we played for all kinds of things all over the place. And um, I think the thing that I'm proudest of at UNT is that I started a mariachi summer camp. Oh, oh really? I didn't hear that. That ran, that ran for nine years, uh, and it was open to middle school and high school students. It was a residential camp. They stayed most of the time in Bruce Hall, and they were there for almost a week, and they ate in the cafeteria and, you know, got to be on campus. And I would bring in uh, a master mariachi from... Uh, LA from Los Angeles and they just worked so hard they would work for four or five days really really hard and then they put on a concert oh, and there were different levels wonderful. yeah and so I had probably about 70 kids decide to come to UNT because they were in the mariachi summer camp and almost all of those kids were first generation uh, they you know didn't have parents that had been to college before and it's it's I think it's the thing that I'm proudest of, you know, because uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So it ran about nine years and then it became really impossible to offer because um, the university went to a kind of an automated online system for registering and it had to be with credit cards and everything. And a lot of these folks don't have credit cards. They pay things by cash or money order. And so it became really difficult to, to offer it. So it, it kind of disappeared. But it ran for nine years, and I'm really proud of that. Hmm. That makes me start <laughs> thinking about, all right, I have two more years left at this university. What can I do to make it happen again? <laughs> it would be difficult to make it happen for a summer camp. But, yeah, yeah the mariachi is still going. Um, yeah, I have, like, three or four friends that loved it. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, anybody can register for it across the university. And typically there's two groups. One group is more advanced and they go out and gig. And the other group is for people who want to learn about mariachi. And, you know, maybe they've never played it before. So, hmm. so yeah, it's a pretty cool thing. That is cool. <laughs> yeah. I've listened to a few. I've gone to a few of your concerts because mm -hmm. my boyfriend was in Mariachi Aguilas for like. And who was that? His name is Jake Grossman. Hi, Jake. Oh, okay. <laughs> he plays guitar. He's a trumpet player, but he played guitar on the side, and he went, oh, this cool. is a great way for me to play guitar in an ensemble and learn about cool music. He loved right? it. Oh. And, right? Um, yeah. 
So I would go and visit the concerts, and I was totally new to the music, and I thought, this is fabulous. <laughs> it's such it's such passionate music, you know? It's either, it's like extremes of the spectrum. You're either incredibly happy and celebrating, or you're, you know, horribly sad and depressed. And you know, the music is just very, very passionate. And I think that's that's the reason that I'm attracted to it. It just... Yeah, it speaks to my soul. Mm-hmm. That's wonderful. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I love hearing about this. Yeah. And, yeah. you know, that reminds me, listeners, if you want to learn how to do any kind of music and you really want to get together with your friends and create an ensemble, you can literally just do that. Like, my friends and I are in a brass quintet oh, just because yeah. we want to. It's not a chamber group. You don't have to register with a class. Or if you have a lot of friends that really want to do a certain thing, you can start a student or just find a teacher you like and be like, hey, I want to be in a mariachi band. Can you help us? Or, hey, yeah. I want to be in a jazz pedagogy ensemble, which, by the way, that's <laughs> an option for you as well. Yes. <laughs> but, yeah. <laughs> you know, you can just make a student org of whatever music you want to learn and boom, ensemble. Mm-hmm. <laughs> exactly. And the cool thing is, you know, even if we're not meeting face to face right now, you can do that online as well. There's so much technology available now where people can come together and play as an ensemble oh, really? online. Yeah. Ooh. Ooh, that sounds cool. I know. Yeah, you guys need to look into that. <laughs> yeah, so we've been kind of trying. Like my brass quintet, Hayden and I are in a brass quintet yeah. together. Okay, and yeah. We were going, oh, we, we toyed with the idea of like a Zoom ensemble, but the delay right. was terrible. Yeah. So we're going to have to yeah, look yeah. into that more. I'm, we're still trying yeah. to figure out things for Eagle Ensemble. I, I, Eagle Ensemble is a, a student organization that's basically a wind ensemble. It's, it's complicated. Another <laughs> student organization ensemble listeners. Hey. <laughs> and, and I run that. And it's we have no idea what we're going to do because – like it's like 30 right? 40 people yeah. meeting together in a tight space uh, you yeah know? Uh, like yeah you can do it online yeah well <laughs> we're we gonna go so. sit outside six feet apart <laughs> yeah from each you can other. do that as well yeah <laughs> catch us all in clark park like 60 kids sitting in chairs you <laughs> actually you know what that sounds like lots yeah. of fun actually that yeah. does sound like fun oh, wait i gotta write that Come down to our rehearsal picnic <laughs> man Speaking of coronavirus and like teaching in coronavirus, was were there any specific things that you had to come overcome as a teacher teaching um, online classes for the first time, like totally online that you know you think might be helpful to other music educators who are trying to figure out how to teach online too? <laughs> things you overcame. Well, it's a huge challenge because most music teachers are like me in that the relationships that you build with your students are the most important thing. And it's really hard to do that online. So, I mean, in the spring semester, thank goodness we had already gotten to know each other in the first half of the semester. But this coming semester, I'm actually teaching that same class as an adjunct. Oh, really? Just that class only. Yeah. We thought you were we're, leaving. (laughs) we're, We're starting it off completely online and we'll see how it goes from there. But, um, It's an incredibly huge challenge. I had a little bit of an advantage because um, about for the past six or seven years, my, I had members of my family who were ill and uh, I had to be their caregiver. So I traveled a lot to take care of them. They lived in other States. And so sometimes I was teaching my class from a hospital room. Wow. So I had a little heads up, you know, I had a little bit of an advantage uh, using things like Zoom and and trying to make the class meaningful, but it's incredibly difficult, and I don't envy anyone who's trying to teach a music class completely online. So, I mean, thank goodness there is a lot of technology out there now, Um I'll try to email you guys a list of some things that, yeah. that I'm using and that I have used and that other music educators are using. But sure. for me, that personal connection is still the most important thing. So I'm not going to allow my students to like just put their photograph on there on Zoom. No, <laughs> they're going to have to actually be there where I can look at their face. And, you know, we're still going to do a lot of Let's get to know one another. 
let's figure out who we are, let's figure out who we want to be. So I would still encourage um, any educator to make sure that they're working at building those relationships with their students, which is, it's trickier to do online. Sure and the other, the other thing that I would strongly encourage anyone who's teaching online, particularly right now, is that times are strange and weird and your students will be going through tough things. And we as educators need to be cognizant of that. We need to be empathetic with them. We need to be a little bit more lenient perhaps with how much work we assign them to do. I think sometimes teachers think because it's online, they can just give you lots of extra work, but that is, that's not good, <laughs> right? <laughs> so so uh, I think as educators, my that would be my second piece of advice is to be very understanding of what your students might be going through. Um, yeah, and, and, and be compassionate. That's, that's the most important thing to me. Yeah. There's that psychology degree. <laughs> yeah. Well, and just being human, you know, and oh, yeah. humane. So we're all human beings. We're all going through this weird stuff. So, yeah, let's be, let's be compassionate. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> oh, and uh, check the show notes, listeners, for those fun resources if we get a hold of some. Yes. <laughs> Might take me a day or two, but I'll get okay. them to you. Okay. Takes us a minute to edit oh, these. Yeah, <laughs> I, yeah, it takes a while. I longer than it should for for me because I because <laughs> I edit them and it's like I have to go in and like listen to my voice and oh my god oh no it's, it's hard, so hard because <laughs> you listen to yourself and every little noise you make is like oh oh god did I really do that yeah, oh no <laughs> yep um, yeah I know hey future self thank you Hayden <laughs> no problem yeah. <laughs> um, no, you guys do. You're doing a great job. You're very personable. Your voices sound great. Oh, so well, thank you. I think you're doing a great job with this. Thanks. Yeah, we try our best. Yeah, we don't always yeah succeed sometimes, but we try. The effort's there. <laughs> there you go. I feel like we succeed enough of the time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Anyway, so uh, with that, yeah, you're uh, retiring from UNT. How does it feel? Oh. Oh, not really. Oh, yeah. Um, I didn't know that you were becoming an adjunct. Um, that's interesting. Yeah. Um, yeah, my friend Nicholas Fister is taking your class next semester, and he was like, uh, okay. Dr. Emanuel's teaching it. And I was like, no, she's hmm. not. Hmm. <laughs> Wait a minute. Yeah, it hasn't really sunk in that I'm retired. I officially retired May 31st. Wow. Yeah, yeah. so I'm, I'm done, right? But... Uh, I've been working on a book chapter that I was invited to contribute to a book. Ooh, it's wow. a book on, tra it's really interesting to me. It's on trauma in music education. And mm -hmm. in any way, like kids are going through trauma with COVID. They've gone through trauma with like school shooting drills, you know, and teachers go through trauma as well. So I've been working on that. And then I've got this class coming up. And so it hasn't really felt like, retirement yet it hasn't really hit but i did think the other day you know i'm teaching this class online i could do that from anywhere what if i just got in the car and you know <laughs> van life <laughs> yeah so I, I yeah so that's really cool it's it's starting to sink in like okay guys this is the weirdest part i actually applied for social security oh <gasps> i know right <laughs> freaked me out I freaked out. I was like, oh, my God, I'm applying for Social Security. Yeah. So there you Congrats, go. Congrats. I'm officially <laughs> old. Yeah. But, yeah, I'm looking forward to the fall. And, and if they need me in the spring, I'll do the same thing again then. So it's a nice way to kind of segue out of full-time teaching. I won't have an office. But I also won't have to go to meetings and I won't have to be on committees. Oh, yes. Uh, I yes. just get to teach. And so that makes me very happy. Oh, brilliant. Oh, that sounds like the fun parts. Yeah. Oh, right? Fun it parts. is the fun part. <laughs> it is the fun part. Mm. So, yeah. Man. I'm happy about that. That sounds ideal. If I didn't need, like, <laughs> if I, if, 
I didn't need to have money because I'm 20. (laughs) (laughs) That would be the ideal. (laughs) Yeah, and and you guys, you know, you'll find out when you get out into teaching into the public schools that teaching is a big part of it, but there's so much more to it Mm -hmm. than just teaching. So now I get to just teach, and that's like, woohoo! Yeah. Fabulous. Happy. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, my mom is a teacher. I definitely saw the parts that weren't teaching. I bet you did. She would be. She would come home and be all sad about ugh, all these lesson plans and ugh. I had to. Yeah. She'd come home at like eight and be like, I had right. like three meetings, and <laughs> she'd leave yeah. super early, get home super late, constantly stressed, and she'd be like, well, the best part of the day is the teaching part. It's just everything else. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So. so I'm very happy about that. It's nice to be able to do what I love to do and just that. So, yeah, Ideal. I'm excited. Now you can do it from the yeah. mountains or the beach. I could, yeah. right? <laughs> I know. And I'll just put on a screen behind me that, you know, whatever. Or you could have a screen of the mountains or the beach behind you and just be like, oh. This is true. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good idea, actually. Oh. Oh, just traveling. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, what is next? Are you gonna? I can totally see you like in a van, just like traveling the country, or like, oh, you know what? Like a houseboat. I oh, yes. I, I do DoorDash, and I've delivered to houseboats a couple times, oh, and I've kind of been like, ooh, that's that's the life. That is it. Um, well, you know, I grew up camping as a kid. Oh. So we would always go back to Virginia and camp up in the mountains. But I grew up in Pensacola, Florida, you know, right on the Gulf Coast. So I love the beach. But then I spent a lot of time in Michigan as well. So, um, yeah, I've been geographically challenged in Texas. (laughs) So I like to say I have yet to appreciate the beauty that's here. So I'm looking forward to traveling. But um, (laughs) Yeah, I am looking forward to traveling. But I'm also looking forward to uh, continuing to write. And now that I don't have to write, you know, now I can write. Oh, it's fun. (laughs) Yeah, and I want to look into some uh, consulting work. A lot of the things that I'm interested in have to do with community engagement. I've worked with the College Music Society, which is a national organization for music faculty in higher ed, not just music ed, but all music faculty in higher ed. And I chaired their committee on community engagement half for several years. So I'm really interested in how we can engage with our communities in very meaningful ways, different than the ways that we're already good at. You know, how can yeah. we make those things more meaningful, more reciprocal, more collaborative? So I have lots of irons in the fire. No kidding. Yeah. yeah. So I, I'm not I'm not intending on slowing down anytime soon, that's for sure. Seems more just like making time for new stuff. Exactly. <laughs> the stuff that I really want to do. Yeah. Sure. You're you're mentioning community engagement and that's like a research interest of Hayden and mine. Hayden and I are crazy idea buddies. Yeah. We're constantly going on ridiculous adventures together that involve doing some crazy idea that one of us has like you know creating a podcast but um (laughs) so one of our crazy ideas was let's write a clinic on community engagement in music programs which sounds like that's exactly what you do so exactly what i do (laughs) yeah how did you get into that uh what drove that well i've always been really active in the communities where i've taught And considering that they were all like inner city and urban schools, um, that was a challenge, right? Because a lot of times those were communities of color. And I had to learn a lot (laughs) in order to engage with them in a meaningful way. And then when I got involved with the College Music Society, I really got interested in how we in higher education look at community engagement. And typically what happens is we take our ensembles out to play for people and we call that engaging the community, right? Sure, yeah. And and it's fine and that is a kind of community engagement. But the weird thing is we don't really ask them what kind of music they want to hear or 
You know, we don't ask them to be involved in the performance. So at CMS, we've actually developed a, a spectrum of community engagement, a kind of continuum where one end is just that. You know, we go out and we share our music with other people. But the other end is where we go to people in our communities and go, okay, so what are your gifts? What are your strengths? Uh, what do you dream about? What are your dreams? And how can we find some kind of common ground and use our gifts and our strengths and our resources to collaboratively build something together that would be more meaningful? And um, so the mariachi summer camp turned out to be that kind of engagement because I went to the community first uh, it was actually in Grand Prairie ISD where, you know, like 70% of their kids or even more than that now, I think, are uh, Latino, Latina. And, you know, with a director of mariachi there, we sat down and went, well, you know, how can we do something that would include the community and be something that would be of value to them? And that's how that whole thing got created. So, Yeah. Man, if you guys cool. are interested in community <laughs> engagement, we need to have lots of conversations. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I hosted a national summit on community engagement about seven or eight years ago at Georgia yeah. State University. I saw and that whenever I was yeah. uh, like academic Facebook stalking. Oh, uh, <laughs> you did your homework. Yeah. All right. But I didn't know what that was. So is that yeah. you led a discussion or like what it was is a that? conference. Okay. It was an actual conference where I brought in people from all over the country wow. who shared their idea shared their ideas about, you know, what they did in their programs. And then that's where we actually came up with the idea of having this continuum of community engagement. So, yeah, we still work on that. There's, we're still trying to, like, formalize that and still trying to get the word out to, you know, other universities. And this is how you can do it. You know, this is one example of one kind of engagement. And a little further along the continuum, here's an example of another kind until you get to that really closely woven reciprocal kind of collaboration. That's so cool. Yeah. Oh, yeah, goodness. so if, if you guys want to... A person to run ideas by. <laughs> Count me you in. You saw it here first, folks. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Count me in. I I love to do that. Yeah, we we'd love to. We've been talking a lot with uh with Dr. Taylor about it, and he's yeah. that's he's like all about it. So yeah. Anyway, yeah, we if we'd love to. <laughs> um. Well, anyway, uh, it's about oh. that time for that thing. We call it our. Rapid fire. We're gonna change the name of it. Okay. okay. It's, it's, it's the, never rapid. Yeah. It's it's <laughs> it's the silly question segment. That one. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's yeah. It. That's a better name, actually. <laughs> okay, okay. I'm game. Okay. Okay. Let's so. have it. Okay. Waffle House or IHOP or Denny's. Waffle House. Whoa! Yes. Finally, yes. someone agrees with me. Okay. Everyone Thanks. has that's said. That's a no-brainer. Thank yeah. you. Okay. Waffle Every House. Yeah. No-brainer. Everyone so far has had uh, has said IHOP, so we've been waiting. We've been waiting for literally anybody to say <laughs> say Waffle House because that's like our personal like yeah, that's the one. We that's thought the that place. was the yeah. You're we my people. We thought that was a universal opinion. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you're my people. Why why Waffle House for you? Like oh, what yeah. draws you to Waffle House? Um, I can't really say in detail <laughs> because it had to do with my late high school and early college years and oh, late yes. nights at the Waffle House. Um, yeah, but I love their food. I love their people. They're, it's a, it's a the great place to go. The atmosphere is fabulous. Yeah. I love Waffle House. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Okay, Excellent. same. <laughs> oh, my turn. What's your Denton food place of choice? Like when you're out in the town at lunchtime. Sweetwater Grill. Oh, I've oh, never been there. What is that? Oh. I know. Okay, so it's just it's one block <laughs> south of the square on Elm on the left. And it is my go-to place. Their food is great. The guy who originally opened it is back there now. Jimmy and Karen Meredith. They're a couple that's just they're Denton icons. And he has been a chef from Louisiana. Oh. It's the only place I'll get seafood in Denton. Mm. Huh. Great burgers. 
uh, great Mexican food. Everything they serve is great. Uh, service is wonderful, not expensive. And if the virus thing will go away, they will once again have music on the patio. Uh, They're very, yes. very strong supporters of local music in Denton. So, yeah, <laughs> they're my go-to place. I, I just remembered. I actually, I have been there. I, I haven't oh, really? eaten there. there. I haven't eaten there. I played a tuba valentine there. Yes. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Which is like. It's a great place. Yeah. If you don't know, a tuba valentine is like the tuba euphonium studio. Uh, it's a fundraiser that we do every year where uh, people pay like, I don't know, $30, $40 to have us go and play a song out of our little book to someone at a place. And a serenade. It's like a yeah. really bomb version of like sending a carnation it's a much better yeah. version oh yeah <laughs> it's way better yeah unfortunately it usually happens at the same time as team EA, so the entire college of music is gone yeah <laughs> yeah anyway what is your favorite dip and dots flavor okay i'm gonna have to confess that i have never ever eaten dip and dots oh no <laughs> sorry <laughs> i just i it does not attract me i look at them and i go okay this is just silly oh it is no silly. It, the silly is the draw and it's they're delicious. i can't do it I, if i'm gonna do a, a cold you know tasty treat it's gonna be beth marie's Ooh, oh, that's yeah. no dip and dots. Solid backup, yes. I yeah, agree. Beth Marie's, no dip and dots. Yeah. What is your okay? What's your favorite Beth Marie's flavor? Uh, it it vacillates, <laughs> but it's either peppermint, oh, which they do a great job of, or the pecan praline. Oh, that one's good too. Okay. they're also good. I yeah. I have a weird pick. They have a they have like a like a honey whiskey or something flavor, and it's oh. awesome. It's so good. Oh my god! I have not tried it. It's it'll be on my delicious. list. Delicious. Well, it'll be on my list. Okay. My favorite by far is Bee's Knees. It's so. Oh, good. Oh, that is good. Yeah. But partially because I'm obsessed with bees. I know. Oh. <laughs> I got bees on my socks today. It's a good day. Oh, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> Let's see. If you had to change your identity and start a new life, like you're in the witness protection program or something, what would your inconspicuous identity be? It would not be inconspicuous. What I've always wanted to be <laughs> is a photographer for National Geographic. Oh, oh that's That's cool. what I want to be. Yeah. Man. Incredible. So they could create an identity for me to do that. Okay. That would be my, my, my pick. That's so yeah. cool. Would you, yeah. like, change your hair color by chance? I used to change my hair color a lot. Oh. Yes. I get my those vibes. Is, <laughs> my hair has been all kinds of colors. Yes. Yeah, so I... I but I like my gray now. I'd, I'd, I wouldn't want to change it. Oh, it's pretty. Yeah, it looks good. Thank you. <laughs> I, I like not putting chemicals on my head any longer. Yeah. <laughs> it's probably smart, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Uh, this is a, a new one. What is the best Gatorade flavor? Oh, I like just the traditional. Not oh. the orange. It's like the lemon limey. Oh, yeah. That's yeah. a good one. It's yeah. like, Hannah, it's like the yellow one. Yeah. The yellow one. Yeah. I don't drink a lot of Gatorade. I'm sorry. <laughs> it was a big deal because I used to live in Gainesville, Florida, and the University oh. of Florida is who developed that. The Gators, that. yes. Yeah. yeah. Okay, sorry. that makes sense. There you go. Ah. Yeah. Oh, this These are good one. questions. Thank you. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> what is your Subhub order? That one's a classic. There's, a, there's an Italian one. The pizza sub? No, it's not the pizza sub. <laughs> I forget what you call it, but it's an Italian one. It has Italian dressing on it. Oh, I don't, that sounds good. I don't know. I'm it's not, really I'm not... yummy. Hmm. Okay. Basically, yeah. you can't go wrong with any sandwiches. So it's, that's yeah. true. <laughs> that's true. Okay, Hayden, your turn. Uh, 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 if you had to name your child a musical term, what would their name be? <laughs> Okay, that's really tough. That would that would take some consideration. I mean, the this first is legally thing, binding. The first thing that pops in my head is not a good one because it's the name of one of uh, Dr. Nick Williams' dogs, and it's Coda. Oh, oh yes, yeah. that's the first thing that popped in my head. Uh, you know, maybe arpeggio. 
Ooh. Yeah, I'd have to think about that one. I'm gonna I name do. my kid Flat. <laughs> <laughs> okay, that's good. Yeah, <laughs> natural, <laughs> naturally manual. There you go. Yeah. Oh, oh yeah. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Naturally okay. manual. I you like heard that. It first. That's legally binding. Again. Okay. Okay. <laughs> All right. If you were turned into some sort of magical talking vegetable, what vegetable would you be? I'm a potato. God, you guys are good. <laughs> I'm thinking. I'm thinking zucchini. Oh, oh yeah. yeah, that's a good one. I'm thinking mm-hmm. zucchini. Yeah. 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 That makes sense. I can't yeah, explain first, it. But yeah. At first, I thought eggplant, and then it's like, no, no, I want to be kind of trim. So yeah. Mm-hmm. It's okay. I'm a summer squash. It has nothing to do with my figure. It's just, I just feel that. Those are my yeah, there, Well, zucchini. Yeah, I'm feeling it. Call it. Yeah, zook. I'd be a zook. A zook. Yeah. <laughs> All right, go, Hayden. Go. Okay. Um, a trip to the mountains or a trip to the beach? Oh God, I can't answer that. <laughs> I would say Hawaii, where Ooh. then you can do both. You can do both within a half hour. You can, yeah, yes, wow. that's what I would do because, you know, I grew up in those mountains. I've been to Colorado a bunch. I've been to Austria a bunch. And, but I gr- also grew up on the beach. So, and a really beautiful beach too. The Gulf Coast is, is really beautiful along Florida there. So I would have to say Hawaii where I, I could do both. I can't pick one or the other. That's a really smart answer. Yeah. I, mean, yeah. <laughs> I wouldn't struggled. have thought of that. <laughs> We just went to the beach, uh, me oh, and Hannah. Yeah. She visited me for my birthday. Where, and, where did you go? Uh, <laughs> El Hardin <laughs> Beach. It's, it's like, in like the Houston area. It's like the worst beach okay, ever. Okay, that's really not a beach. <laughs> Sorry, guys. Awful. No, no. I'm so, okay, so look. I'm from north central Texas. So I'm just happy to have water with sand right? next to it. And yeah. Hayden was going, right? this beach is kind of gross and this like, no, water is weird. No, it was fine. <laughs> it was just like brown and like you step in right. it and you're like, where did my feet go? Okay. Right. <laughs> yeah, I was kind just in like Galveston. Galveston yeah. is not a very nice beach either. Yeah, it's yeah. actually, I live close to Galveston. So I'm like Houston, Galveston, gotcha. me-ish. Yeah. So like, in the middle. Yeah. yeah. <sighs> oh, well. We We, we cry. Did it. Yeah. <laughs> so Hawaii, good answer. There you go. Yeah. Oh, it's my oh, turn. I'm so excited. Oh, about this I one. love this question. Okay. <laughs> oh, the great. only pianos left in the world are either toy pianos or the gigantic foot foot pianos, like the movie Big. If you've seen that movie, uh, which do you choose? The big one. Ooh. <laughs> so you could dance on it. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> I would. I like the that. sound Brilliant. of the toy pianos, but yeah, I want I want to move. So yeah. There's no question about that one. That one was easy. If my methods class, if my piano class had foot pianos, I would love class piano. (laughs) There you go. (laughs) That's a thought. Okay. Contentious question. Oh. Oh. Practice north or south and why? If you've ever been in either of them. (laughs) I actually have because the mariachi has a room in practice north to store their stuff. So I'm just going to have to choose north because of the mariachi. There you go. Good answer. Okay. Mm. Oh, oh, they're kind of like creepy places. The both of them are kind of creepy. So what? Yes, they are. They true. are. Yeah. <laughs> and they're a little warm in the summer. Yes, they are. <laughs> or cold. They're either Depending. really warm or like freezing cold. So yeah. We you know. Try. Favorite M and M flavor. <laughs> oh, oh! You guys have chosen my vice. <laughs> <laughs> Peanut M&M's are my my addiction. Okay. Ooh, peanut if, M&M's are a good choice, too. Peanut M&M's uh, I became addicted to when I was taking care of my family. It was like, I don't know, the crunch, the flavor, whatever. It just, like, helped relieve my stress, the little hint of chocolate. And uh, I was skinnier before that happened. <laughs> so... <laughs> so I have like six years of of M and M addiction that's around my middle, that's and fine. and I I struggle yeah. with it still. It's hard for me to pass those things up. That uh, I love peanut M and M's. Absolutely worth it. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, I would agree with that. Do yeah. you have a favorite color of M M&M? and M? No, it matters not. 
I don't it care the color. And all. As long as it's peanut. <laughs> I don't care about the color. That's fair. Yeah. yeah. That's absolutely. probably more rational than most of the answers we hear. Because most people will answer a color. Because that's supposed yeah. to be like a funny, <laughs> trippy question. It's like, oh, right? they're all the same. <laughs> yeah. No, I, I go for the crunch. It's the crunch. Yeah. Wow. That's, that's a good the, choice. That's their new slogan. I go for the crunch. It's the I crunch. I go for the crunch. <laughs> okay. If you could have any superpower, what would it be? Flying. I knew flying. it. I, okay, like, flying. we wrote this down, and I was like, but it's flying. I, I have and no I idea like, how. It'll be some interpersonal skill, like reading minds or telepathy or something. No, I can do that already. <laughs> <laughs> Yo. Okay, fair. Okay. No, yeah. flying. I'll tell you guys, for my 34th birthday, my parents bought me flying lessons. Flying. Wow. So I, I got my solo license flying a single-engine Cessna. And I would like to go back and do that again. I did that for several years. I love to fly. And um, yeah, that would be, if I could pick any super putt, I would love to fly without having to have an airplane. Wow. Yes. It's like when I dream, sometimes you'll have flying dreams, you know, where you fly in your dreams. I do anyway. I don't. Yeah. But I hear it's a common thing. Like, that's it's, not an unusual thing. Yeah. It's so fun. Oh, my God. I'll have one of those and wake up and go, woohoo! I flew. <laughs> <laughs> All right, flying dreams. Where are you at? I'm waiting. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> oh. Okay, what's next? Ideal union lunch. Like, at the UNT union. I always get sushi. Ooh. Oh, me too! <sighs> it's not the greatest sushi in the world. But it's consistent and it's easy and it's quick and uh, it's tasty and it's not really bad for you, way bad for you. And uh, that's just my go to. I don't know if it's my favorite because I, you know, I haven't tried that many things in the union. Yeah. But that's my go to. I, I probably should try something like that because my go to is definitely not healthy and i absolutely <laughs> feel it every time and i'm like oh there god go. I, I know i'm gonna regret you this you could be talking about almost every single place when you say that <laughs> exactly well it's the it's the okay the five tender combo from oh. Flat Top oh, yeah, Grill. Yeah, yeah. it's five dollars you get chips you get tenders you get drink and sauces five dollars you can't pat never mind anyway i know it's that sounds like a good deal yeah. and also five pounds on top of that Right. So, <laughs> um, all right, here's the last one. The last question. <clears throat> okay. <clears throat> I'm ready. How was your day? Today. You're talking about today. Yes. yes. Okay, my day has been actually fairly spectacular. Oh, Ooh. yay, wonderful. I haven't left the house, but I've been home with my cats, and um, I... I've been outside in my yard watering plants, and I've been writing a little bit. I have done no housework, none. Ooh, yes. yes. And there is housework to be done. Housekeeping ain't no joke. <laughs> I know. But today I went, there is no housework to be done. And actually, um, this evening, I'm celebrating the birthday of a friend. So we'll be in somebody's backyard, socially distanced. There will be five of us. And uh, you guys probably know this person, and this isn't going to be broadcast anytime soon, is it? Uh, not, not until, until Thursday. Next Thursday. Oh, good. Okay. Oh. It's Anne McMillan. Yes, Anne. <gasps> I love oh, Anne. Yes. Yes. So Anne McMillan is one of my best friends here, and she just lives a block and a half away from me. And uh, we're all getting together in another friend's backyard. There are five of us, and it, it's a surprise. She doesn't know that we're – her birthday is not today. But we're celebrating early because in my world, you celebrate at least birthday week. <laughs> it's not just day. You have to celebrate the whole week, okay? Absolutely. Sure. So, mm -hmm. so yeah. So I've had a great day and I'm going to, and this has been way fun. Uh, I get to see you guys. I get to talk to people. I can <laughs> I know, see crazy, people, right? right? So, which is fun now. Yeah. And um, <laughs> yeah, this has been really a lot of fun. And then I get to go hang out with my peeps. This evening, so that's a good oh, day. Yeah, that's banner awesome. day. Yeah, your banner cat's a day. pet for me. Oh yeah, <laughs> I, they're snuggled up right now, uh, taking their afternoon nap. They're siblings, and so often when they sleep, they're like all curled up next to each other. I'm gonna. 
Donna Manuel is currently God. showing us her adorable cats, and I love them. <laughs> <laughs> they don't look anything alike, but they are sisters, and they came from a feral litter on UNT campus. Oh, um, wow. That's cool. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Students, if you are really in need of cats or dogs, check out the Denton Animal Shelter, where I like to spend my free time. It's a go. great time. You can also become a volunteer. You just show up. And you, you sign up for a volunteer session, and bam, you're a volunteer. You go volunteer and pet some dogs and get volunteer hours for petting dogs. Okay, and so now anyway. that I'm retired, maybe I will go do that, too, Ooh, because yes. that sounds like way fun. Everyone catch Donna Manuel at exactly. Denton Animal Shelter. <laughs> exactly. Okay. Cool. This has been fun, guys. Well, I'm glad oh, you thought yes. so. Uh, we yeah, had fun, it's too. It's been a lot of fun. Uh, well, yes. with that being said, it is about time to wrap this up. So again, like really, thank you so much for uh, for joining us today. I know we really enjoyed it. Um, but anyway, that's it for us for this week. Uh, we'll catch you guys next week on the UNT College of Music In Context podcast. Bye. 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 Hey, everybody. Did you like the UNT College of Music In Context podcast? Did you hate it? What'd you think? Visit our Twitter at UNT Comic Podcast or Facebook also at UNT Comic Podcast and let us know. Give us suggestions. See what's coming your way in future episodes. Ladies, the DMs are open. And gentlemen, we are inclusive. You can even rate us on Apple Podcasts if you're listening on an iPhone, iPod, iPad, iPad, or iPatch. Not sure about this last two. We welcome any and all feedback. Uh, let us know if you have any questions or just feedback for the podcast. Anyway, thanks for watching. Uh, we'll see you guys next week on the UNT College of Music In Context podcast. That's it for us. Bye. Love y'all. Bye.